the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. The Pharisees, the scribes, were grumbling and saying, This fellow eats, welcomes sinners, and eats with them. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger said to the father, Father, give me the share of my property that belongs to me. So he divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to, to his field to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? Here I am dying of hunger. I'm going to get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Treat me as a hired hand. So he set off, went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quick, bring out a robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf and kill it. Let's eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, For all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet, you have never given me even a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? The father said, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Jesus tells this story, and everyone has come to listen. And Jesus, at the head, finds tax collectors and sinners, 
And the Pharisees and scribes are grumbling. They don't even use his name. This fellow, they say, eats with tax collectors and sinners. And they're right. Jesus does eat with unsavory characters. And there's something inappropriate and repulsive for such a holy man to associate with such disruptive folk. Because we know that Scripture firmly warns against associating with evil folk. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? And what parent has not said to their teenager, birds of a feather? And so the Pharisees are not alone in believing that separation is a good thing. These divisions preserve our community. It's really essential for the moral instruction of our young between what's right and what's wrong. But we've come here to hear the voice of Jesus. And I would suggest that rather than come with all of our moral certitude and religious convictions as Pharisees and scribes, why not come as the sons and daughters who have traveled to distant lands people who've squandered our lives? Why not approach those well acquainted with the sounds and smells and geography of of that distant land, having returned home forgiven, welcomed in his presence? So let's hear this story as those who know both the pain of separation and the joy of return. Grace is offensive. For the younger son to demand his inheritance, he must first declare his father as good as dead to him. And he does. And he takes what's his and travels, spending all he has on wine and women and dancing. After spending it all, famine arrives and he finds himself feeding swine. So he comes to his senses rehearses his speech, heads for home, empty, exhausted, barren. The father has been waiting. He spots the son in the distance and comes running, vigorously embracing the son, restores him. Let's have a party. The father's action is offensive. This reception ought not be. It is not fair. Does this forgiveness not condone his behavior? And did you catch what offended the elder son after a hard day in the fields? Why did he call the servant? (laughs) It was the music and dancing. I mean, you can let the younger son come home, I get that, but there are clear provisions for penance. And that does not include a banquet with music and dancing. I mean, sure, let the prodigal return, but bread and water, not the fatted calf. Let the lost be found, but in sackcloth, not in a new robe. 
Let them wear ashes, not a new ring. Let them return in tears, not in merriment. The elder son is offended at the music and dancing. All this time I've been around here slaving for you, faithfully serving you all these years, never asking anything, and you've never thrown me a big party. We are offended by grace. Would you have gone to the party? Fred Craddock tells a story of a girl who lived up the street from him and his wife, Nettie. Husband and wife divorced, left three or four youngsters, all girls. One attractive, prematurely mature, about 14 years old. She was truant from school, smoked weed, always in trouble, always before the judge chasing after and hanging on the tail end of every motorcycle that went roaring through the neighborhood. She was finally so truant, so involved in misdemeanors, that the judge said, you're going to reform school. So she went away to a detention center for girls. About the fourth or fifth month that she was there, she gave birth to the child she was carrying. She was 15 at the time. Some months afterwards, word came to the neighborhood that she was coming home. Will she have the baby with her? Is she really coming home back to our neighborhood? And Fred says the day we, we heard she was, come, was to come home, all of us in the neighborhood had to mow our grass out in the yards, mowing our grass and watching the house. She didn't show. Nobody came. We kept watching the house and mowing our grass. And he said we were about down to one blade at a time, you know, watching the house when a car pulled into the driveway and out steps. It's Kathy. She has the baby. She's brought the baby home. And people in the house, they ran out and they grabbed Kathy and they took turns holding the infant. They're all laughing and joking and they went back in. And another car pulled in. Then another car pulled in. And another car pulled in. They started parking in the street. Cars on both sides. They're all gathering there, you know. That's when... Fred, from behind his mower, got anxious and nervous, disturbed, and he went into the house. And he writes, It suddenly struck me, what if one of them saw me in the yard and said, Hey, Fred, she's home and she has the baby and we're giving a party and we'd like for you and Nettie, come. Well, I, I've, I've got this yard work to do and all. 
Grace is offensive. If you lived next door to this father's house, would you have gone to the party? And which is easier, to preach the story or to go to the party? Jesus begins this parable. There was a man who had two sons. Do you think he loved two sons? Well, as the younger son approached from a distance, it was the father who saw the son, hiked up his long robe and went out to him. On the night of the party, when the elder um, son refused to go in, it was the father who went out to him. The father had two sons. He went out to both sons. He was generous to both sons. At the request of the younger, he divided his estate. To the elder, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. He had two sons. He went out to two sons. He was generous with two sons. And this betrays our competitive nature. Spirit of society says there must be winners and losers. Cardinals can only win if the opponents lose. And this thinking dominates our minds. Either or, it dictates our outlook. There are Jews or Gentiles, poor or rich, saint or sinner, publican or Pharisee, older son or younger son, and we are forced into this either or decision. It has to be one or the other. God's love, so says this parable, is both and, not either or. And embracing the younger son did not mean rejecting the elder. Love for tax collectors does not negate love of Pharisees. Such is God's love. But we find it difficult not to be offended by God's grace toward another, especially if we have serious questions about that person's conduct or character. I mean, we are offended by grace. 
We don't like these parties. We don't like this both and bit. We're offended. And yet we all sit here as tax collectors and sinners, knowing the full extent of our wandering in the distant land. We have clear memories, some of them may be missing, of our life spent in excess of wine and women. We all know the pain of desertion and betrayal, the friendless, vast aloneness. And we've all tasted hog pods, souls so barren, so arid, longing for home. And we sit here offended by grace at the same time, hungry for Jesus' words. Come to me, take my yoke, find rest for your soul. Daughter, son, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Peace, be still. Do not weep. Rise. Love your enemies. Your reward will be great. You are the child of the Most High. Listen, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. Do not be afraid. I do choose. Be made clean. These are the words of Jesus spoken over barren, lost souls. These are the words of Jesus for which we all long. Oh, Jesus, I beg you, don't leave me. Don't go until you have spoken forgiveness and love and mercy over me. Don't go until you've spoken grace over me. And yet we're offended by this grace when spoken over one we deem less worthy. And so come to the party. Whose party? Well, maybe your party, prodigal. Return home. If, If you just head in that direction, the Father will run to you, and we will have a party. Come to the party. Whose party? Well, maybe your party, elder son. Stuck outside, offended at the music and dancing. Father loves you. He goes out to you. He is generous to you. Come to the party. Can, can we just go to the neighbor's party up the street and, and celebrate Kathy's return, right? I mean, let's, let's walk up the street and hold the baby and smile and rejoice. Almighty and loving God, we bless you for the gift of your word. We pray now for the grace to believe what we've heard. 
And more than that, we pray for the courage to live in ways that honor you above all else. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may the peace of Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you in the storm. And may he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.